we've got an exciting month coming up. We've got some cool stuff on the docket, and uh, we're going to be talking about I Am <clears throat> through the end of the year. And uh, what I love about this series is Jesus is bold, amen? Like, like one of the things I love about following Christ is Jesus doesn't just kind of throw stuff out there. He knows what he's talking about. And he's not afraid to make a bold declaration. And the statement we're looking at today, I am the good shepherd, is probably one of Jesus' most bold statements. And, and it's, I don't think we misunderstand this one as much as I don't think we <clears throat> realize the depth and the boldness that comes from this proclamation. Uh, we're going to be in John chapter 10 today. <clears throat> That's our passage. Uh, if you want to, I'm going to encourage you, we're not going to read all of it today. Um, bookmark or put in your notes to go back later and check out Ezekiel 34. Uh, we're going to be doing a little bit of Old Testament reading today as well. Uh, yesterday, <clears throat> I, um, I got back from Los Angeles of um, doing Thanksgiving with our family, and I had a couple hours to myself and uh, I was excited. One of my favorite series of all time just popped up on Netflix. It's called Band of Brothers. How many of you guys have seen Band of Brothers? Amazing, amazing miniseries. Um, age appropriate. Obviously, it, it, it's a depiction of World War II, uh, so probably not for little ones. Um, but it's the true story of Easy Company from the 101st Airborne and their journey from jump school uh, in the States and their time in Europe and World War II from, from D-Day all the way on to their return. And it's amazing. They, the, the, the folks that produce this, it's the same crew that did Saving Private Ryan. Uh, the folks that put this together did an amazing job. And what's cool about it is they actually have the soldiers. They did this early enough where the guys that were in Easy Company are at the end of every episode kind of filling everybody in, like, yeah, this is what happened, and here's why this happened, and so forth. And, um, and one of my favorite series, so I decided to start watching in yesterday, and um, the first episode is a phenomenal episode on leadership, and what good leaders do, and comparing good leaders to bad leaders. And that's kind of what I want to do today with uh, the Good Shepherd statement. I want to look at the good shepherd, and we're going to kind of do that by contrasting it with a bad shepherd. <clears throat> what, I, what I love about the first episode of Band of Brothers, uh, you've, got the, you've got Easy Company. They're doing their training. They know that an invasion is coming. They don't have the date, but they're working up towards it, right? They're learning how to jump. They're learning how to navigate the land. They're learning how to communicate without talking. They're learning how to uh, run routes together and so forth and, and do different improvised plans of attacks. And they're training over and over and over again. And Easy Company has by far the worst lieutenant in charge. He's constantly getting them lost. He's constantly misreading a map. He's constantly disobeying orders and operating kind of on his own to a point where their company is always in trouble. And, and what's worse is he doesn't take any of the responsibility himself, right? You can tell all he cares about 
are the bars on his shoulders, on, on, uh, right here on his collar, because he blames everybody else for the mistakes that happen. Just an absolute master class on a terrible leader. To the point, so, where the guys have this discussion where they say, listen, we have to be honest with ourselves. Do we feel like we can go into battle with this guy as our lead? And the guys step up and they say, we don't feel confident in that. In fact, we don't feel confident to a point where they actually make an official request to get their lieutenant removed from his command. And I don't know how many of you served in the military or not, but um, how many of you would actually take the steps, if you're in the military, to remove your commanding officer? Everybody's like, I'm, I'm getting like this. Like, no. Like. But these guys do. And they're threatened with a court-martial, and the guy said, you know what? I'm still not willing to go into battle with this guy because he's a poor leader. It's an absolute master class on how we follow and who we follow because they know that their lives are on the line. They know what the stakes are and they know that they just need somebody more qualified <clears throat> to follow into battle. Amen? And the rest of the story is it's absolutely amazing. Um, I encourage you to watch it. Not for kids. It's very emotional. Um, but they did a great job. And I love that. And I love <coughs> what it does for leadership. Because Jesus is an amazing leader. In this passage that we're looking at today, in John chapter 10, we're going to be verses 11 through 18, Jesus is having a conversation with the religious leaders of the day. And if you don't know any context about this, just picture like Ali Frazier, just round after round after round of fights here. It's a constant battle between Jesus and the religious leaders of the day because Jesus <clears throat> is preaching and he's teaching things with authority and that upsets the authority of the day. Amen? And so as he's preaching, as he's saying these things, and he's, as he's making these declarations, and as the number of followers and the number of stories start to add up, the religious leaders are there going, hey, this guy is a problem. He shouldn't be saying these things. He shouldn't be making these claims. <coughs> and so when we get to... When we get to John chapter 10, verse 11, there's a handful of things that we typically don't understand about this passage where Jesus makes the bold declaration that he is, in fact, the good shepherd. I think one of the first things we like to do is we like to personalize it about us. Well, if Jesus is the good shepherd, what does that mean for me? All good things coming, right? That's not exactly the point of this scripture. I think it's always safe to say, what does, how does my relationship with Jesus grow based on this? But this scripture does not center around the sheep. This verse 
centers around the shepherd. And Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd. And this declaration of who Christ is, is independent of who we are. Christ isn't declaring us sheep, necessarily. What he is doing is he's declaring himself the good shepherd. And then all other pieces fall in line behind that. Jesus comes first. And a lot of times we, we look at this kind of independently and we say, hey, this is a really cool metaphor of a good shepherd. And we like to talk about the staff and the rod and the grass and the rocks and so forth. But we're, we're missing, a lot of times we're missing a key part of context here. This is a bold proclamation because the guys that, he ta- that he's talking to, the leaders that he is around, these guys all went to Hebrew school as a kid, and what they would do is they would memorize the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, uh, one of the main storylines is after Israelites become their own nation, the Israelites plead to God for a king. <clears throat> they want a king like all the other kingdoms around them. And, and God finally says, okay, here is your king. <clears throat> and some of the kings afterwards do a great job of following God. But some of the kings don't. And, and you have this cycle of stories where you have kings falling away from uh, following the Lord and bowing before other gods and worshiping other gods and bringing the nation of Israel into worship before false gods. And so you have the cycle of over and over and over again, a king leading the nation of Israel down the wrong path, and then another king coming to rise up and, and redeeming the nation, begging God for forgiveness, pleading for forgiveness. And so by the time we get to Ezekiel, one of the later prophets, this cycle has gone on enough where the people are just kind of frustrated. They're over it. And God is speaking to his prophet Ezekiel here in verse 34. And this is the language he used. And I'm just going to, little pro tip. If there's a scripture and it says, woe to you, you are in trouble. If the Bible says, woe to you, and that fill in the blank applies to you, you are about to have a bad day. You're getting called out. There's a lot of woe to yous. I'm not going to read all of uh, Ezekiel 34. I would love for you to go home and read this today. You think Nas had a diss track on Jay-Z, nothing compared to this. This is God going off on the leaders of Israel. Did I do a Nas reference? Yes, I did. All right. The word of the Lord came to me. This is Ezekiel speaking. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, meaning the leaders. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, you clothe yourselves with wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock? You have not strengthened the weak, or healed the sick, or bound up the injured? You have not brought back the strays, or searched for the lost? You've ruled them harshly and brutally, 
So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. <coughs> uh, going on. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Also, if there's a scripture and God says, hear the word of the Lord, uh, you better stop. You better stop and listen. God's not messing around in the scripture. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, because my flock lacks a shepherd and has been plundered and has become food for wild animals, because my shepherds did not search for my, uh, search for my flock but cared for themselves rather than my flock, uh, this is what I am against the shepherds, and I will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them. And then he goes on to say, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. And, and he goes on and he says, I will take care of the shepherding duties. You have failed as shepherds. I will take over. And, and what he's talking about and what he keeps pointing towards is a Messiah. And, and so when Jesus makes this declaration in John 10, he's not messing around. Jesus is swinging a hammer here. He tried telling him earlier in the chapter, I, I'm, I am the gate for the pen. And they're not getting it. So he drops this on them. I am the good shepherd. Y'all have talked about that for hundreds of years. You heard the prophet Ezekiel talk about the good shepherd. I am him. We wonder why Jesus was crucified on a cross when you go around making bold declarations like that, you tend to upset some folks. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And if you're a good Israelite, you just dropped what you're doing. What? Did he just say what I think he said? Did, can, can he do that? And so when we get to John 10, verses 11, <clears throat> I would imagine either a frustrated or an angry or an excited, at the very least, Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Amen to that. That's right. Just as the father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. He's pulling out of the metaphor a little bit there. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. Looking back, we know what that means. 
they too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. No one takes my life from me. What a bold statement from Jesus. Jesus is staring into the face of the people who will try to take his life. And he says, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. And I have the authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. There's a key word there. I have the authority to lay down my life and I have the authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. If you're like me, you grew up with the uh, kids' Bible version of this that has like the picture of like the little shepherd kid with like the big blue eyes and all the sheep are painted. It's kind of like a watercolor, like felt board. Nah. This is more like graphic novel Jesus. This is like Sharpie, black and white Jesus, not messing around. So let's do some comparisons here. I don't know if you remember, there's a cartoon uh, called Animaniacs back in the day. Any Animaniacs fans? <clears throat> yeah, a couple. Uh, it was like the last cartoon I watched as a kid. I loved it. They had a little sketch on there called Good Idea, Bad Idea. And it'd be like, good idea, playing catch with grandpa, bad idea. And they like show like you throwing the ball to your grandpa. And then like, bad idea, playing catch with grandpa. And they show like the guys like throwing grandpa back and forth. We do, <laughs> doing these like comparisons make it a lot easier for us to understand the good from the bad. And so we're going to talk about a bad shepherd here. First up, <clears throat> the bad shepherd is a hired hand. The bad shepherd is a hired hand. What does that mean? Uh, my dad had this phrase, uh, everybody works. It takes a lot of work to live. But a job is something they have to pay you to do. Right? Right? So if this is just a job, and I don't want to call anybody out on their feet just yet, uh, maybe we'll do a confession time on this later, but I don't know about you, have you ever had a job where you're like, I'm just going to do what I'm asked? And that's, Scotty, you shouldn't be nodding your head, you work here. <laughs> you ever had that job? Like I remember working at the grocery store, and... There is a certain level of expectation from our employees, and I met that level mostly, but the desire to go above and beyond for a grocery store, we'll just say it wasn't there 
for my 17-year-old self? I was a hired hand. The second seven o'clock hit, I was out. 701, if you needed something from the deli, you're going to need to talk to somebody else. Now, I don't know if you're like that with your job now. Like I said, we'll do confession time later. You don't have to like elbow your spouse or anything. Just we understand. But we all, we all know the hired hand is not the person that's going to put their life on the line, right? There's a difference between the entrepreneur that owns a business and like employee number 27, right? We, we know that. We've experienced that. And so you can imagine the difficulties of being a shepherd during this time. <clears throat> You're navigating uh, people stealing sheep. You're navigating uh, taking sheep through dangerous territory sometime. You're navigating difficult bosses. If a sheep gets hurt or lost or whatever, that's their revenue and livelihood. At a certain point, you're like, you know what? I'm out. That's always my, like, if I were going to be in a movie, that'd be the character I want to play. Like the, uh, the, the bank, like uh, the security truck driver who just goes, nah, not worth it. 16 bucks an hour, not worth it. Like, I'm out. Ben Affleck, you can have all the money. The bad shepherd is a hired hand. The bad shepherd does one of two things when it comes to trouble. They're either constantly running into trouble, meaning they don't know where they're going, either because they're dumb or they have no idea what they're doing, right? A bad shepherd is constantly getting the flock into a place where they're stuck. Or, hey, if I know there's a den of wolves over there, I'm going this way. A bad shepherd goes, oh, I forgot about the wolves. Ooh. So they're either constantly running into trouble, or if trouble comes, they're out. They're constantly running from trouble. There's a wolf, boom, Scooby-Doo style, just gone, right? See you, sheep. Have fun. Good luck. Are those the kind of people, like, like going back to Band of Brothers, like, that's why they train together, right? Can you imagine being in the foxhole with the dude who, like, the first time you hear the sound of a bullet, the guy's like, I'm out. That's not who you want to fight with. That's not who you want by your side. Like, on a practical level, the first time things get tough and somebody dips out, how frustrating is that? Now imagine trying to call that person your leader. Bad shepherd is either running into trouble or running from trouble because <clears throat> what it comes down to, they value themselves over the sheep. The shepherd is more important than the sheep. There's no amount of wool that can get me to take on a lion. I'm out. There's plenty of sheep here. I'm not going to worry about this. It's a sign of a bad leader. One of the signs of a bad leader <coughs> is you know that they care more 
about themselves than the people that they are leading. Conversely, we have Jesus, the good shepherd. Uh, before we get into him, I want to take a pause. The Israelites asked for a king. They wanted somebody to lead them. And the misunderstood part of this is on their part. What they were asking God for and what they received were two different things. They wanted a king who would literally put them back on the map, right? This land belongs to us. That land belongs to us. This is the land of my forefathers. That land just looks good. Let's take that too. They wanted revenge for the kingdoms that had taken over them. Never mind that those kingdoms had taken over because they weren't listening to God, right? But they wanted to rise up because they were living under Roman occupation. The leaders that he's talking to are living day to day under Roman occupation that says, if a Roman soldier tells you to carry their pack for a mile, you're going to carry their pack for a mile. And, and they've turned tax collectors against their own people. And so they're living in this occupation. <clears throat> and the Israelites wanted a king what they didn't realize is that every king would fall short at some point. And God had a better plan. What they needed was a shepherd. And Jesus says, I am that good shepherd. I'm that Messiah that you've been asking for all along. Maybe now you'll realize that I'm what you need, not this empire, it's not an empire. It's not a kingdom that takes over physically. It's a kingdom that takes over spiritually. It's not a kingdom of who's the mightiest warrior. It's a kingdom of who's the hum most humble servant. Constantly, all through the gospel, Jesus is talking about his kingdom that he's building, and it's completely backwards and upside down. He's been professing this upside down kingdom where the first are last, and the king washes feet, and everyone is welcome to the table. He's been professing this over and over and over again, and he finally tells these people, I am the shepherd of this kingdom. And what that means, Jesus avoids the trouble. Jesus, the shepherd, does not lead the sheep into dangerous places. It doesn't mean that dangerous places don't exist. It means that if you're following the good shepherd, he will not lead you to a dangerous place. Does that mean that trouble does not happen? No. 
Hear me very clearly on this. Trouble happens. And danger is lurking. What that means is, when there is a danger lurking, when there are wolves on the prowl that come to, to kill and to steal and to maim, Jesus doesn't run off. He fights them right then and there. Jesus will fight the battles that need to be fought, and he'll avoid the battles that you don't need to bother with. Jesus approaches this completely different than a bad shepherd. He stays with the flock when there's danger lurking. And there is. Let's drop the metaphor for a minute. What are the wolves? We're all battling wolves. Some of you are here today because you're tired of battling the wolves all week and you need a break. God bless you. Some of you are battling the wolves right now. Jesus is the good shepherd. He knows that trouble exists. He knows that wolves are lurking. If you listen, he'll steer you away from them. If you've got a gambling addiction, Jesus isn't going to say, hey, go to Vegas. But he also knows the wolves come to our door sometimes. And so we have a choice of whether or not we're going to recognize him as our good shepherd and call on his name. Will he know my name and my voice? Have I called on him before? Has that familiarity been built up? So when I say, Jesus, this wolf is at my door, there's a wolf coming. I feel under attack. Jesus, will Jesus say, I know your name? I know the sound of that sheep's voice. Jesus knows his sheep by name. And the beautiful thing is, Jesus sacrifices his life for his sheep. That imagery is so powerful. The imagery of somebody who's called themse also called themselves the Lamb of God. The same person who says the Lamb of God and is the sacrifice is the same person who calls himself the Good Shepherd. And as a person willing to make that sacrifice. And when Jesus calls himself the good shepherd, we can take comfort knowing that if we call upon Jesus to be our good shepherd, then we know that he has already laid his life down for us. The truth is, we're all looking for a shepherd. And some of us are fine settling with a shepherd. A shepherd will do. And then we wonder why we're constantly under attack. 
I've had this shepherd for a while. I've been following this leader or this program or this fill in the blank for a while, but I'm still struggling with the same thing. Maybe I'll just try another shepherd. What's the easiest shepherd out there? What's the cheapest shepherd out there? What's the most, what? Let me check online and see what shepherd is trending today. A lot of us, I know in the new year is a time where a lot of us make changes and a lot of us are gonna be looking for, for something to improve our life. And there's a ton of great, like, pro, I'm not knocking, like, programs and stuff like that. People need uh, practical help. But if first and foremost, if you're trying to improve your life, let me throw this out there. Is Jesus the good shepherd in your life? And I want to put an emphasis. If you hear nothing else today, Hear this, Jesus is the good shepherd. Not a good shepherd, not an option of shepherd, the good shepherd. There's one king. I don't know where you're at today. (laughs) Maybe, Maybe you're just sick and tired of hired guns. Maybe you're sick and tired of just one hired hand after another leading your life and knowing that this person or this program or this belief or whatever just doesn't work for you. Another month, another shepherd. Maybe you're worried there's not space for you. You don't know what kind of sheep I've been. I get a little crazy. I got some tangles in my wool, and I'm probably not going to get top dollar at market. It's fine. That doesn't change that Jesus is the good shepherd. Now, you, you've never listened to me bad before. It's fine. Jesus said there's one place for all my sheep. There's one flock and one shepherd. Jesus also goes on to tell a parable of the shepherd leaving the 99 to go for the one. And so if you're out there today and you're like, I don't know if Jesus loves me or not. Jesus is willing to leave the 99 to go get you. Amen? Sometimes I feel like the 99... Sometimes I feel like the one. And I can tell you what, when I'm in the 99, I celebrate Jesus going after the one. But when I'm the one, I get on my knees and I thank God with everything I have that he came to rescue me. Amen? Amen. I don't know where you're at, but if you're willing to call Jesus the good shepherd, we're excited to worship with you. If you're not sure about calling Jesus the good shepherd, 
We're excited to worship with you. If you've never called Jesus the good shepherd before, we're really, really excited to worship with you. As, as we close up, as we wrap this up, my prayer is this. My prayer is that first and foremost, we would bow down to Jesus Christ, our Messiah, the one and only. My prayer is that all of us, myself included, I'm, I'm, I'm going to preach to myself and you guys can listen in. That we get rid of all the other shepherds. We put them in their place. You haven't worked. You don't care enough. You keep leading me through danger, and you haven't fought off a single wolf. Maybe you need to leave. Maybe you need to fire your shepherd. Go for it. Now's a good time. Well, we're going we're gonna to close out today with a time of praising Jesus, the good shepherd. Jesus, the shepherd that isn't a hired hand, He's the son of our creator. He's our creator manifested in the human body so that he could relate to his sheep. And so this is our prayer. God, we say thank you. God, we say thank you for the good shepherd. Lord, there are so many false shepherds out there. And Lord, through time, you've reminded us over and over and over again not, not to follow them. But Lord, we're sheep, and, and we make mistakes over and over again. And so, God, today, we come together as the 99. We come together as one flock, and we praise you, God, as, as our good shepherd. Lord, we pray for the one. We pray for the sheep that feel lost right now that need to return home. Lord, we're thankful for your son who died on the cross, who laid his life down for us. It's through him that we pray. Amen.